You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Travel Supplier's Guide to Market Expansion generating revenue through new markets in travel and hospitality and features experts from Chargebacks 911 and Airline Pros. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another edition of our Chargebacks 911 webinar series. My name is Justin Clements. I'm the Director of PR and Media Relations here at Chargebacks 911. Uh, I'll be serving as the host, moderator, uh, court jester, if you will, for today's webinar. Um, just want to give a shout out to everybody for taking the time out of your busy morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you're calling in from, uh, to join us today. We've got a, a lot of exciting ground to cover. Um, we're going to be looking uh, to get into the Travel Suppliers Guide to Market Expansion and how to generate revenue through those new markets within travel and hospitality. So uh, just to be brief, in this presentation, we're going to be diving into best practices for travel suppliers who are entering new markets and how they can generate revenue while avoiding some of the pitfalls that impact businesses operating in new territory. So while new markets, they can generate new revenue, they also introduce new obstacles, uh, including currency exchanges, uh, transaction disputes, and uh, sometimes those manifest themselves into chargebacks. So today we're delving into strategies for growing your earnings while minimizing the inherent risk associated with credit card acceptance and chargebacks. Now, before I get started, I just want to quickly go over how this webinar will be structured. The first part of the webinar will include a short presentation. This portion will have some visual elements. So it's important that if at all possible, you close any other windows, just give us your undivided attention. Now, that second portion of the webinar will be a Q&A where we'll answer many of the questions that were submitted. Uh, this portion will be a little less visual, so it's okay if you just want to listen in on that part. Now, during the webinar, feel free to submit any questions that you have. Uh, we promise to answer any question that's submitted, if not live, then by email after the webinar. So today, I'm joined by Chargebacks 911's Director of Strategic Partnerships, Mr. Harlan Hudson as well as Deputy CEO of Airline Pros, Mr. Shreyas Natavati. Now, th these two gentlemen are going to walk us through credit card compliance and chargeback issues faced by many travel retailers, uh, some of the best practices to navigate those issues, and what solutions might be a good fit for your business. So I'll let our presenters tell us a little bit more about themselves and their areas of expertise before we get into it. So, uh, gentlemen, go ahead and take it away. All right, Shreyas, give us a, a brief introduction of yourself. I'll, I'll give uh, the same when you're done, and we'll get started here. Excellent. Thank you, Harlan. First of all, thank you to Chargebacks 911 for the invitation. Um, I think the first question is, why are we here or why, why am I here? And, and first, it stems from, you know, airline pros is in the growing new markets business for our clients. Um, and second, our collaboration really stemmed from trying to solve a problem and Chargebacks 911 had built a better mousetrap. So it was a real win-win to, to bring both of us together. Um, Airline Pros, a little bit about us, is a leader in travel representation, commercial and distribution solutions. Uh, some of you on this call might be familiar with the term GSA. That's, that's a very light way to refer to what we do. Uh, we've been in business for actually over 25 years now, so a quarter 
of a century. Um, we have offices around the world, uh, over 40 countries from America to Zimbabwe. And we support over 70 clients, 70 um, different uh, travel suppliers with their own unique regions, their unique opportunities, their unique uh, challenges that, that all need to be overcome to ultimately generate more revenue for them. Um, and at the same time, doing it with the least amount of, of risk. Uh, we work with airlines, hotels, car rentals, destination management firms. Of course, our airline, our name kind of indicates where our roots come from, but we do work with, with all sorts of travel stakeholders. Uh, next slide, please. So the main commercial solutions that, that we provide are our representation management, um, again, also known as GSA, which ultimately is a B2B and B2C sales support solution in a market. Um, we also get involved in distribution development, and this is more of an air product for those of you familiar with ARC and BSP. Um, we handle not only the B2B uh, commercial aspects, but the accounting and legal representation that's often required in a market. Um, and a lot of us are all ex-airline or ex-travel professionals, and so in-house we also provide a series of other services like fair filing, pricing revenue protection, distribution planning, market assessment, and more. So uh, the long of it is, is Airline Pros tries to position ourselves as problem solvers, and if we don't have the expertise in-house, uh, we try to find it through collaboration. That, that's so. that's fantastic. Can you just go back to that slide? I just have a I just have a couple of questions uh, for you because this is really really interesting to me. So so let's let's just go with uh, a, a, you know sort of a generic example. Give us an example of how an airline or uh, uh, say a travel agency might interact with you, and what would be their you know sort of questions that they would ask as they come into this thing. Hey, you're a GSA, you do representation management. What does that mean? How do I, you know, how do I leverage that? How can I uh, take advantage of your services? What, what's your, give us your pitch. I'm, I'm just sort of curious. I'm a sales guy. I got to have the pitch, man. I got to have a pitch. Look, I, I think the simple pitch is uh, everybody on this call and everybody that's in business is ultimately trying to grow, right? You either grow or, or you um, get eaten. And so we're all looking for new markets, new ways to generate um, business. Um, at the same time, uh, especially when it comes to, let's say, foreign markets or markets where uh, you're not quite sure of the potential opportunities, you know, there, there's a real value in, in working with a local professional sales and support organization that'll help maximize revenue, but while you'll bypass the risks of, you know, hiring your own staff, uh, building your own infrastructure, adhering to local policies and practices. And, and so that's really what we do. And, and our job is, is to support our clients, our partners, and help them grow and navigate these new markets. At the same time, in supporting our clients, uh, the, the second group that we support are the travel agents. Uh, they're, they're the ones that are generating the sales and and they need to know who to call and who to get answers for, who's going to solve their problem. And so we serve as, as, as a middle ground representing uh, the travel supplier and supporting their core constituent, which is often uh, a travel agency. Um, sometimes it's the little C customer, but, but usually it's, it's, um, it's a travel agency that's, that's driving significant volume. And I think 
Harlan, you, you, you kind of led me up to the next slide, so I, I kind of um, uh, gave you the pitch um, one slide in advance, so thank you for that. Yeah, no, no problem. I think this is, this is important for, important context for a conversation because, uh, every, every organization needs support. They need help, especially when they're doing something that's new, that takes them, uh, out of, uh, I'll call it their comfort zone, which might be a region or a, you know, particular, uh, group of routing and, and even relationship, right? So one of your, one of your, the things that you might do is interlining, for example, right? So for an airline, that means that even if a, uh, an airline is not flying to say the United States, you can help them with that process. Is that a fair, uh, assessment? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the ultimate goal here is to maximize um, their footprint in a market uh, that they're just getting into or, or wanting to maximize. And so, yep. you know, it, it really starts with a lot of the distribution basics. You know, how, how are you distributed? How are you priced? Um, how are you supported? Um, how are you, you know, giving the different types of agencies in a market the, the kind of uh, key things that they need? price or fair product or, or, or it could be incentive and how is it structured. But as you're trying to grow, as you're trying to grow a market, and this kind of brings us back to, to here, you know, um, you know, especially in, in a lot of foreign markets, you know, credit cards is, is, you know, it's, you know, I don't think most of the people on this call uh, pull out cash if they even carry very much cash in their wallets anymore. Credit cards are, 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 are a big gateway to, um, to meeting the customer, uh, how they want to book their travel and, and kind of, you know, what started our conversations, you know, travel started to boom, as we all know. And yet, uh, much of the world that's supporting travel, uh, we were all working remote. Um, uh, not only did a lot of people leave the industry, um, a lot of us that remained in the industry were not, you know, in an office interacting, you know, communicating, knowing who to ask. And so there was, there was a big void that happened, and, and chargebacks um, always rampant, but but lower staff, uh, virtual staff, um, new staff, um, you know, it became a a, a real challenge, especially uh, for clients that aren't as used to the, you know, they want the upside of credit cards, but they're not as used to some of the the downside risk. And so things needed to be defended with information. You know, with time sensitive, um, a response and, and the old fashioned way is, is really time intensive and can be painful. And so yeah. that, that's kind of, I think, you know, what really brought us to here. And, you know, the rewards of credit card exception, acceptance is huge. Uh, the risks, while we don't talk about it until later, um, you know, really come into the forefront once we see those, those bookings start to soar. Yeah, I, 100%. And it's interesting because as we think about, uh, uh, an airline or travel agency or whatever it is that wants to, uh, grow their business, they want to, uh, you know, enter new markets. They, the, the, the only good reason, and I'm going to now start to transition to what we do and how, why we're here and why we're partnering together. The only reason good reason for getting uh, more uh, disputes is by actually 
uh, authorizing and settling more transactions and ultimately carrying more passengers, selling more packages, doing all the things that, that your partners and hopefully soon to be ours, uh, do as well, right? They, so as your sales go up, as your transactions go up, uh, there is going to be a percentage of that, right? That's going to be, uh, uh, disputed, whether that's because of a, a specific um, you know, a service problem or whether there's a sense that there's fraud, maybe whatever that is, but there is going to be, uh, some type of dispute entering into the sort of the flow of this thing. And of course, that's, that's, uh, where we come in. And of course, access to higher yield customers. That's a big, probably a big opportunity for some of your clients, especially the clients that don't have access to, you know, the United States or, you know, UK or whatever. Is that, you, you see that as a big driver of their interest? Obviously, not only not only the travel management companies that are booking corporate bookers, but generally um, markets that accept a high percentage of credit cards or, or travelers primarily booked through credit cards do tend to generate a higher average fare or a higher average booking value than than often you know what might come in through through a travelsuppliers.com. Yep, yep. And and what about this? Customers preferred channel. What what do you mean by that specifically? How how does that you know sort of express itself within the context of you know you're uh, building this new relationship with a travel partner? Sure, and this this, this comes back to you know I, I think um, you know in your own market uh, everybody probably has their own individual strategy and and, and a lot of this today it's, it's it's trying to get sales directly. The cheapest channel is to come through ones.com. And that makes perfect sense where you have when you're in your home market and you're investing a lot of money on marketing and brand awareness and building all that um, in in foreign markets. Um, you know, that type of investment doesn't make sense. You're going to spend money one way or the other. But what's the best way to maximize, um, you know, the opportunity? Uh, so you use different channels. Maybe you're booking through um some some companies have agency portals, but most of them will book through a GDS or or some sort of an aggregator, and and that's one channel. But then within that channel, how does the end consumer book? Um, is the end consumer a corporate, so they might go through a travel management? Is the end consumer is an individual, they might go through an OTA? Is the end consumer, um, you know, working with a travel agency to put together a, a package that involves air, cruise, car, you know? So. It, the ability, you know, the ability to accept credit cards is 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 agnostic. It's it's just something that's that's part and parcel of making a transaction more palatable, um, especially because you're meeting the customer at the payment mechanism that that they prefer. Right, right, fantastic. Okay, so so let's get into the meat of these, you know, sort of various things as they relate to, you know, uh, what, what we do and how this all works. And maybe we can move on to the next slide and, and talk a little bit about the risk of card acceptance, right? So, uh, card acceptance is, it could be a debit card, could be a credit card. Uh, certainly all of the major card brands, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, but then you've got some of the, I'll call them international, uh, you know, because we're talking about a global uh, opportunity, not just U.S. or U.K. or whatever, but you've got UnionPay, you've got JCB, you've got 
Elo in uh, Brazil, and you've got lots of these other, I'll call them uh, global, uh, but also regional uh, forms of payment, right? And methods of payment. So, so the, the risk that are inherent really are validating the, the, not just the purchaser, but making sure that the purchaser is not some uh, third party that is going to buy a ticket for uh, themselves or another third party to defraud uh, the system and specifically the cardholder, right? So validating the buyer or the, you know, the, the actual transactor of this ticket is is an important step right that's done through authentication it's done through a lot of things but if it's not done well guess what you're going to get you're going to get a chargeback you're going to have a dispute that pops up if there if there's a fraudulent transaction uh which is of course that second bullet point right but also there's more false positives. You're going to have, uh, especially when it relates to, uh, uh, I'll just say, algorithms within the system, issuer algorithms, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to have uh, false positives in fraud detection, which means that you're going to have declines. You're going to have uh, valid transactions that are going to be declined. And then, of course, you're going to have the first, par- first party chargeback problem, which is really what they referred to in the industry as uh, 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 friendly fraud, not so friendly, but it's an invalid dispute. Now, I'm, I want to make a just a comment here and caveat that just a little bit. We talk about it being first party fraud, uh, certainly friendly fraud, but oftentimes and not I don't know what the percentage is off the top of my head, but but oftentimes a cardholder really doesn't recognize a transaction. Right. And so so that's an important point to know when we start talking about friendly fraud but most often the 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 purchaser of these tickets is actually looking to uh you know get something for nothing get a refund on a non-refundable ticket etc etc so there's a lot of ways that these risks manifest manifest themselves uh in the the process of this this entire thing so do you do you see a lot of uh concern from your uh partners uh, for these kinds of things, validating buyers, criminal fraud, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, the, the last bullet point is, is, is the one we all hear about the most. Um, but especially as travel was coming back and yet there was still uncertainty, it was a really easy way, um, you know, to, to back out of, um, tickets, if, you know, especially with, 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 uh, travel suppliers or airlines that, you know, weren't your day to day go to, um, airline where you might be able to bank the um, bank the charge for, for future use. And I think it kind of led to Harlan and, and, and folks listening, uh, uh, this this really human intensive process where, you know, uh, the, the travel supplier would receive the notification of the chargeback. They would call their local support or, or forward it to the local support, which which is often in this case us, airline pros. Uh, we would ask the travel agent, hey, we got this. What's going on? Because ultimately you issued the ticket. It was your customer. Uh, travel agent would do their research, um, write back to us with detail. We would send that back to our client who would then, you know, submit it. Um, and oftentimes that had to be done within 48 to 72 hours. And, and, and the outcomes were, were not that great. We weren't taking advantage of, 
um, some of the things that could mitigate this up front. And, um, and at the same time, on top of what I mentioned earlier, um, you know, people were working virtual, staff experiences changed. Um, by the time these things were noticed, it was, it was probably too late. Um, there was just a lot of, um, a lot of missteps that, um, could really be, uh, resolved up front, um, in, in a way that, you know, supports the value chain of, of buying a ticket. Ultimately, yep. you know, we don't win when a travel agent has to refund us for a chargeback because it was their customer because they're, they're also our partner, right? We're all supporting yep. each other to get a person yep. from point A to point B or wherever they're trying to go. Well, I think, I think that's a, that's a fair point. And, you know, when, when I think about, uh, you know, a, a typical business, they're not experts at chargebacks, right? They don't, they don't have, uh, oftentimes they don't have enough staff to do everything they need to do, including fraud, you know, uh, mitigation, uh, manual reviews on fraud, et cetera, et cetera. They might be doing a customer service function, right? They might doing, they might be doing a lot of things that are, uh, you know, more important or, or the chargeback piece is just a, one element, a, almost a tangent to what they do. So they don't necessarily have the training. They probably have some experience, but not training. They don't have the data. Now they have access to their data, but the chargeback uh, piece is really about multi-layer. Let's go to the next slide and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the various you know, sort of, uh, I'll just call them, uh, basics about fighting an invalid chargeback, right? Strong rebuttal letter or, or I'll call it the narrative, the story, right? You've got to have a strong story that is, is telling exactly what happened in a very, very concise way. But that's got to be, uh, backed up. Uh, with the foundation of compelling evidence. Now, what, what do we mean by that? Every reason code, including the unauthorized that can mask friendly fraud, the 10, uh, visa 10.4s, the, uh, MasterCard 4837, et cetera, et cetera. These can mask, uh, friendly fraud, but they have compelling evidence rules around them. Every reason code has a rule for what compelling evidence pieces are appropriate for that reason code, right? That doesn't mean you can't give more. It just simply means that you got to have some, you have some minimum requirements for what are we going to show as the airline, as the TMC, whatever it is, as the merchant, what are we going to show that that creates the foundation for the narrative or the story that is told in the rebuttal letter itself, right? What that requires is advanced data insights. Now, I think this is this is a good time to, you know, sort of step back a little bit and and really think about the data that an airline uh, has in particular, which is very, very strong. Um, you've got if you're using your GDS, if you have a computer reservation system that's, you know, in-house, whatever, there there are certain elements of things that you have to collect as you transact but also as you get towards uh the flight you have to have a passport number you've got to have you've got to have a lot of validation of the identity right so so 
so do you see that there are in within the the confines of these the your partners do you see that they're aware that that they have some critical data that they can use in fighting these these uh disputes you know um most of the time uh what we were trying to get was the critical data from from the person that did the booking it wasn't as much the data that we had sitting on our own reservation system um so i don't well it depends on the on on the, on the airline it depends on the travel supplier and it depends on the sophistication of their operation uh by yep. and large i don't believe that um you know one the resources are there um two the quick response is there and three all the different ways that you can prove a, a customer uh is who they um who is in fact who they say they aren't is is behind this and that's really what we're yep. trying to say. Uh, legitimate fraud is legitimate fraud, um, but Correct. like you said, there's there's a lot of there's a lot more to that than just um, you know legitimate fraud. Yeah, for sure. And and again, so many times a, a, an issuing bank. If we connect the dots here, right? You've got you've got a transaction. You've potentially got a flight, or you've got some some sort of a, a, a travel package, and you've got you've got at the end of all this, so that. Presuming that the flight has flown, the, you know, the tour has been taken, et cetera, et cetera. You've got a cardholder who is either, uh, quite upset because they, they feel like they were, you know, something happened that, that broke this, the experience, right? That would be a service, uh, dispute, right? Or you've got, you've got a cardholder who is, who truly is, uh, either truly baffled by this or they in fact are trying to just get their money back and this goes back to advanced data insight right if we think about data there's a a a lot of data sources i'll just put it that way that uh that need to be uh sort of consumed in order to do that but let's start with the timeline chargeback response urgency what does that mean uh and how can we uh sort of fix a problem right that that uh is is really important so every every dispute when you're talking about a credit card every dispute starts with a post date that post date is like uh a time clock it's like uh turning the timer on when you have something in the oven or uh you know turning over a, a sand in a bottle right so the <laughs> eventually time runs out and that's very true with um with uh chargebacks and disputes that post date is the kickoff to a, a period of time by which the the uh, entire system has to respond in that first uh uh, response. So you've got the the issuing bank is sending what is a presentation a presentment to the card schemes that says, "Hey, there's a problem here, whatever that is," and 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 they're going to send that on. Then the schemes are going to send that on to the acquirer or the processor, and the processor is going to send it on, uh, hopefully very quickly, to the uh, merchant so that they can they can get this going the problem is by the time it gets to the merchant they might have five days they might have 
some other time frame, but they have to look at it. They have to know what they're doing. They have to compile the data and they have to put together a document that says, here's why this is invalid. Here's what we've done to, you know, sort of research it, the evidence, right? And, and send it back to your processor for, uh, you know, sort of adjudication. This is often where things uh, fall apart because you've got people who are busy with other things. Again, you've got somebody doing uh, fraud manual reviews or you got them doing customer service. All of a sudden they have a, a, an inbox of disputes. And so that's an important thing. That's where we can start helping, right? We can start helping to, to compile documents directly. Uh, we can start because we know that the time is short and we're going to need to get this in by the due date or liability is fully accepted by the merchant and they lose all the funds. Period. End of story. Right. So th- this is a really big problem. And you're telling me that this is especially a problem for your airlines and your other partners. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it depends on, you know, some some of its region specific. There, there are certain areas that that people fly or serve that tend to be more prone to getting these chargebacks. Uh, some of that might be due to, well, they pay less attention. Some of them just might be to the nature of the, of the markets. Um, but but ultimately, it's 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 a timing issue. And um, and to do this kind of research to get that first response in. Uh, being reliant on, on, on the speed of email, the speed of forwarding, the speed of still somebody analyzing it and getting it back. And even if we hit all the marks, we may have missed the deadline or we didn't hit the marks ultimately in a, in a way that, that would have, um, you know, nullified the, the accusation of a chargeback. And, uh, and that's, yeah. Yeah. and that's, that's a shame because the work was put in, um, and, and the outcome seemed legitimate and obvious, but, but the end result was was different. And don't get me wrong, I don't see all of that. What 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 comes through to us, I still believe is probably a fraction of the chargebacks that are that are really occurring. Um, yeah. You know, for, yeah. for, for many partners. Well, there's limited resources at uh, <coughs> at the airline, right? So if you're trying to do chargebacks in house completely, so it's it's a matter of training. Uh, and hire, hiring and training uh, very, very good managers, people who will dig into the process, understand the rules, all that kind of thing. But but here's a here's the saying that we often use. You either hire an expert for this. Or you are one. Right. You have to be an expert or hire one. And and when when we think about the rules, I think it was a uh, uh, two years ago or three three years ago. Uh, there were 142 rule changes in one year at the card brands, and so when you think about that, every every uh, October or so, uh, I know Visa does uh, rule updates, right? You have to be aware of that. You have to be looking at those. You have to understand how they uh, actually uh, impact your your uh, your responses, et cetera, et cetera, and and that requires additional resources. So really, it's it's a huge thing for an in-house team to manage the dispute process. And I, I'm often I'm often saying that that you can spend five percent of your you know budget on a problem that might be fifty 
BIPs or 0.5% of the entire uh, revenue stream of the, of the, uh, of the organization, right? Because honestly, it's an expensive process to just manage the whole compliance rules, all that stuff. And then you got to manage the chargebacks, right? So this is, this is huge. And it's not just for smaller airlines. It's for, for all the airlines, uh, big, small, indifferent, TMCs, all that kind of stuff. So, so th- this is, this is, this is a big deal. So, so what, what's, let, let's talk about why you and I started talking. Let's talk about how, you know, it's, it's important for, uh, travel companies to, you know, be open to seeking help when they need it. You know, I mean, I, I got into the, 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 the airline business a quarter century ago. And, you know, I mean, if, if you break it down, our, our focus and, and the main focus of most travel suppliers is to provide uh, a clean, safe and reliable product. That's, that's it. That's the business we're in. Um, that's that's what our focus is. If we can't deliver those three things, um, we won't have customers coming back. I mean, price can only bring back so many people. Clean, safe, reliable. That's that's the bottom line. We never thought about, um, you know, you know, you know, there, there's other aspects to running a business, but you never think about, uh, you know, when I was in, in graduate school thinking, yeah, I really want to. I really want to run around and research chargebacks and try to try to mitigate that for my company. That's just not that wasn't in the um, in the romance of, of getting in the travel business. So, yes, it's it is important. You know, I mean, I, I hope, um, you know, people that are listening to this call and people that we talk to will see there's value in working with, um, you know, professional sales and support oper- organization in markets they want to capture, but they don't want to you know put their whole foot into. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, when, when we have problems that we can't solve, you know, ourselves, um, instead of building it, we try to, you know, find, um, somebody that's already built a better mousetrap, as I said earlier. And that's kind of how we came, came together after paths at many, many industry events, um, yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, uh, and it's been, it's been a great, uh, we've, we've had a great, uh, back and forth and it's been, it's been great to to work with you through the through the uh, last few years. I, I think what's interesting about this is that seeking help is so difficult sometimes because you don't want to admit that you don't know everything. And and uh, I find this especially in in uh, larger organizations, right? They're they're either like we'll build this ourselves, we'll da 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 da. But again, I come back to to you know what is the internal value proposition right to that whole thing the the effort and the uh sort of uh i'll just call it investment to to build this solution yourself is often not reflected in the results that come and i like the i no, i love what you had said that you are trying to deliver a clean and safe experience for every traveler, right? That's, that's what you do. That's what these airlines do. The, the, if the, the plane isn't clean, clean, if it's not safe, it doesn't really matter. All this other stuff that we're talking about today. So focus on what's most important for your organization, right? That would be, you know, getting people in the seats, making sure they get to where they're, 
you know, needing to get, making sure that there are uh, limited service problems, et cetera, et cetera. Let us take care of or depending upon what the activity is, let others take care of what you're doing. And I want to I want to highlight a couple things on this list here. Certainly, revenue protection is important. So how do we how do we protect revenue? Number one, we prevent uh, chargebacks. We have tools and services solutions that can actually prevent a complaint from becoming a chargeback. That means that you could actually push data in a pre-chargeback workflow, have the have the uh, the dispute resolved without a refund. And then you don't get the chargeback, you don't get the chargeback statistic, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a very, very thing, important piece. So that's uh, part A of revenue protection. Part B is actually the representment or the response uh, process where we gather not just your data, but we analyze the data to validate or invalidate the, uh, the reason code. And finally, we do trend analysis, and this this goes back to the safe and clean experience. We do trend analysis called something called ERTs, errors, risk, threats, to use the chargeback as a tool to determine the cause of whatever this this chargeback is. I'm I'm fond of saying that a chargeback is like a fever. The fever is not the cause of the you know, the uh, 102 temperature, it's a symptom. The chargeback is simply a symptom of something going on. And if we can uh, work with you and your your partners and we can point out that there was was a huge problem uh, on this flight, for example, but it's actually being replicated on other flights, Uh, let's just call it the the, uh, the the bathrooms are not functioning properly, and that's a nice way of saying it. Um, if if that's happening repeatedly, and we're seeing these service chargebacks uh, coming in over and over month after month at a higher rate than normal, we're going to actually send it uh, what we call an ERT notification to uh, the airline. We're actually going to talk with them about it. We can't solve the problem, but they may not be aware that these chargebacks are higher than industry standard and normal. And so they just keep making the same mistake over and over again. Uh, I've already talked about compliance. I've talked about uh, evidence gathering, all that, but we're going to optimize the, the uh, process for giving the airline, not just insights on service chargebacks, but also fraud. If they have a fraud filter, and I would highly recommend that, uh, we're going to actually give a feedback loop on negative chargeback statistics to the airlines so that they can do a better job at fraud mitigation, right? So it boils down to a customized end-to-end solution. Prevention, I've already mentioned. Data access, we have uh, over 2 million merchants on our platforms worldwide, including our acquiring relationships, our own direct relationships, et cetera, et cetera. So we have more data than anybody else uh, in this in this realm. And then finally, the response, uh, you know, to these particular uh, things. So it's it, it's super important. You can. Yeah, there you go. You can go to the you can actually go to the next uh, slide as well. Uh, just Justin, thank you. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about the commercial strategy and approach here, right? Brand and positioning. I'm not, I'm not in the brand 
you know, thing. I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a chargeback nerd, right? Tell me a little bit about this, this chart here. Sure. Uh, you know, I think you were talking about customized end-to-end end solution for, for chargebacks. And I, and I was thinking about, you know, you know, we're both in the maximizing the upside uh, of a market business and minimizing the downside. And, you know, how do we go about bringing a new client into a market and what's our, our customized approach and solution to capture the upside? Um, and while, while managing the growth so you don't, um, get hit with too much downside. I think the main difference is ours is, is, is often human driven in our solution and, and yours, uh, is, is humongous investments in technology and data and analytics on the, um, on the fraud side. But, you know, we, we start with brand and awareness. You know, we, we, you know, who we are and who you're going to call, you know, when, when you need help <laughs> and getting, getting the presence out there. That's, that's, that's step one. Um, you know, just as the, the, the support team, the call center is, is getting trained, as the sales team is getting ready to go out and do their thing, it's getting the word out. You know, and then yep. we kind of go to, you know, the evaluate and plan. The, the whole goal is, is, is to, um, to start to, uh, to shift. You know, where are we going to target? Um, who are the people that book, um, travel to this region or to this city or to this destination? You know, where are the, you know, who are the people generating this and, and who are we going to go and, and try to understand what they need to motivate them, uh, to shift? Um, and then we start breaking it down a little bit. It gets a little bit more into distribution, um, breaking down the agency types. Um, you know, who are our key consolidators, travel management companies, OTAs, tour operators, retail, specialty agents? What do we need from a distribution side to capture them all? What do we need from, from a product side uh, to, to capture them and start doing business and, and getting that market? that we talked about shifting. So this is where the growth comes in. And, and once we get that um, and we start seeing things happen, you, the sales team starts to generate more feedback and more intel, and then we get a little bit more granular. And, you know, we just try to carve a little bit more and more off that economic model. If you're working with a, a, a corporation or a travel management company, but to say, you know, you gave me this, you gave me these conditions that I need for my client, but what they really need is, you know, flexibility on this or the ability to change this. And if you can do this, Here's what we can bring your way because your competitor isn't. And that's really now. Now we're segmenting within each of the different types of channels of agencies. And, you know, once yep. we get all that, you know, we're, we're growing exponentially, but we're also growing methodically. Uh, that's when a lot of the B2B stuff and, you know, trying to, um, trying to get more business from the masses, the stuff that I think a lot of travel suppliers love, you know, the, the direct bookings, the, the bookings that come through building awareness not just with um, the b2b travel agents community but with consumers and yep. and that's that's where the floodgates open up but you already got a foundation in place of, of, of generating a good number of reliable sales um, you're giving good feedback you're getting good feedback and, and now you can move and that's you know that's our end-to-end -end solution and it just rinses and repeats and rinses and repeats as far as yep. um, you know trying to move um, what is that up and to the right, I guess is the expression, yep. trying to grow. Yep. Um, but each client, the approach is different, the audience is different, who they're trying to get generate sales from or can is different. So each one's a customer solution, but it does follow this kind of blueprint when you work with a company 
uh, like airline pros to to provide sales and support uh, in markets on your behalf at a variable cost. So so great great overview. I love this chart by the way. Um, I, and I wanted to just comment on it. And then I think uh, I'll, I'll give just a I'm I'm going to cover the next slide, but I'm going to stay on this one. Uh, the the reality is this. This actually aligns well with what uh, we're trying to help our clients with and, and uh, uh, especially the clients or, uh, that we're talking about here from airline pros. Look, you have a brand and position. A chargeback or a, 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 a badly handled chargeback can, can erode the brand, right? And, and what are, who are the players that, that it can erode it with? Certainly the cardholders, uh, if there are service problems, if we can help uh, by pointing out service errors, for example, there's an opportunity to to uh, help the brand, right? Uh, but there are other brands uh, or other stakeholders that we help with too. The issuers, if if we push back against invalid chargebacks, your reputation at that issuer, for example, goes up because there there are algorithms out there that might be scoring. Uh, a descriptor, you know, for one of your travel partners. That scoring actually is reputational. The more chargebacks you have, the lower your reputation, which is going to drive more behavior at the issuer to elicit a chargeback. So, so we are really in the brand help arena as well, right? B2B distribution report, right? When we are a support rather, we are, uh, as I said, we're already integrated with some of the world's largest OTAs, tour operators, I mean, agents, but also uh, GDSs, right? When we think about uh, distribution channels, right? The, the GDS and uh, now there's uh, NDC that's coming into play that's, you know, long time coming and all that. We have APIs, webhooks, we cover all of these things. Now we're, we're not about market share and, you know, uh, segmentation and all that, but the underlying foundation, just like in the data stream to, uh, work with disputes, right? That is important. That idea that we have the knowledge, right? We have the data to uncover uh, service problems and, and, uh, uh, you know, all of, you can go to the next slide, by the way, uh, Justin, thank you. Um, we have the data. We're going to use that data to gain knowledge and then take that knowledge and, and reduce your risk, right? Reduce your, uh, brand, uh, exposure, if you will, as a travel provider. We're going to help proactively identify potential fraudsters and even first product First party fraudsters who might be trying to take to take advantage of you. Uh, so there's a lot of reporting, a lot of good stuff there that we can go through. But I think we're at the end of I've, I've taken this over, Justin. So so stop me from talking, please. <laughs> no, you're fine. And, and thank you guys very much for, like I said, like sort of diving into, um, you know, not only the, the risk and rewards of, of these transactions, especially whenever uh uh, you're doing that in a new market, but just kind of uh, going into the, the, the value, especially the, the data. One thing we like to harp on is, you know, proper chargeback management. You can take chargebacks as they are as a liability and turn it into an asset. And, you know, if you if, if done right, it can provide the most 
comprehensive compass for business optimizations for um, you know for anything that you need to address those issues. So yeah, thank, thank you guys for for diving into that. Um, and real quick, while we have you guys on, we're going to move into the uh, the Q and A portion. Um, just want to address some of the questions that you guys had submitted beforehand or during the webinar. Uh, so we'll get through these uh, as quickly as possible. I know we've got 10 minutes till the top of the hour. So first question comes from Nicholas. Uh, and he asked, for non-tangible services like air ticket, it is difficult to prove that the service was used. Some banks ask evidence for flight manifest, which is confidential information that travel agencies cannot present as evidence. What's a viable workaround for proving services were used? Oh, that's a great question, Nicholas. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. First of all, uh, let, let's, let me remind you that the, the representment or response process is multi-layered, right? Because you're right. The flight manifest has like all the names and it, it, yeah, you can't share that. So you have to be looking at, uh, other, other types of data, right? So, uh, I've got a, I've got a really terrific slide that I, uh, share with my, uh, with my airline, you know, uh, I'll call them prospects. I, 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 I'm a sales guy. So at, at the end, but there's, there's layers of data here. Like there's, uh, transaction level data, right? Refunds, credits, vouchers, authentication data, location data. So, uh, address verification, uh, there's device identity. There's, there's, there's elements that we can, uh, 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 either get from your information, your data that will verify, right? That that person was on that plane, right? Uh, through the transaction. Uh, the journey, right? Where are they going and when there might be a pattern? Like I, I will tell you, I go to, uh, Atlanta this year, especially more than I ever have. And if I'm saying I didn't go to Atlanta, I probably went to Atlanta, right? Um, so what's the journey? What's the class of travel and extra? Uh, I, I have things that I, that I do upgrade on. I will tell you that. And sometimes I pay for them. Sometimes I don't. Condition of sales, sale and carriage changes or alterations. All of that kind of stuff is, is, is part and parcel of this layered approach, right? And then of course you've got the passenger themselves. Every passenger has got to show their ID, their passport. It might be a DL, a driver's license or a passport. Is there a frequent flyer data, right? Have they used, you know, are, are they in a, uh, 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 some sort of a, a recurring uh, subscription, like there's an airline that has a club, uh, they call it the partner club, and, the, and are they using the club to buy lower price tickets and then denying that they actually bought those, but they flew the flew the flight. So you can see that it's not just the manifest, it's like multi-layered. And that's that's an important point that we try to drive home to our partners, that this is a multi-layer journey. Uh, multi-layered process and, and, and you have to look at more elements, uh, than just one or two. All right. This next question, Trace, you might be able to help out. And it's one that I have asked, uh, a, a few times to myself, uh, a little bit of a multi-layered question, but Dominic asks, uh, what benefit do fraudsters have to purchase fake bookings with stolen credit card information? What do they gain from companies not challenging that fraud? And what steps can we take to prevent fraudulent transactions in the first place? 
You know, there's a couple things, and I think Harlan could probably chime in on on, on a little bit too. Um, there's a couple things that 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 people stand to gain. Um, you know, one of them is, and, and I think Chargeback 911 gets involved in this is, you know, as soon as fraud is identified, um, there's a good chance um, the fraudster or whoever got that ticket is already flown a segment or on the way to the airport, but but hasn't probably completed everything. Um, so there, there is, you know, um, there, there is a benefit, you know, of fraud. It's not legitimately a fake booking per se. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a fraudulent booking. Um, yep. so, and, and then when it comes to, um, companies not challenging the fraud, uh, you know, it, it really comes down to a, a timing and management of, of a lot of different things and priorities. And ultimately going back to that earlier comment, you know, uh, most people's eyes are, are, you know, elsewhere, clean, safe, reliable operations, clean, safe, reliable customer support, clean, safe, reliable uh, sales and sales support, clean sales and reliable airplanes, you know, you know, you name it. So, you know, it's, you know, it's not hard to, to beat the system, unfortunately, but, but if we can stop it before it becomes, uh, um, you know, uh, prevalent, by the same person, the same car, the same situation, you know, at least at least we're managing the risk. And that, that's a global problem for just anybody that accepts a credit card that can be purchased, you know, in, in just about anywhere in the world uh, last minute and, and they have access to a product. Right. And, and I would I would just, uh, you know, sort of drill into this point that so so fraud is uh, so. I've already talked a little bit about the unauthorized reason codes, uh, you know, unauthorized, uh, card not present, um, you know, fraud, right? So that's essentially what it is. Um, th- those are masking, uh, potentially just these issues that I talked about. Somebody who wants to just get, get the, get the flight for free. Uh, it could mask somebody who doesn't honestly recognize it, but it, an unauthorized or a 10.4 might really be that there was a fraud and it starts with the cardholder saying, I don't recognize this. But then the, the question is, is the follow up indicating that it was true fraud? For example, is the cardholder calling their bank? The bank is then uh, canceling that card, resending a new card right to the cardholder to prevent from happening again. If it's just a complaint that I don't recognize it and the cardholder hasn't allowed their bank to take the next step, is that really fraud? I would I would tell you that probably not. And so we can start to begin to see that it's important to understand the the evidence evidentiary process for the reason code and then look at very closely what do we see in the cardholder behavior because true fraud if it's happening uh will in fact elicit a response and if it doesn't it's probably something else all right next question is from aaron this one kind of hits on the nose of pretty much everything we've been talking about not only with that last question but throughout the presentation uh he asked what is the best way for travel companies to mitigate risk when it comes to accepting card payments in new markets uh maybe we could talk about some of the uh specific tools that are either available on the market or even that are already at uh, these travel companies disposal well uh, of course uh, <laughs> I have talked to a lot of uh, 
I'll just say travel providers that are, that are, uh, they don't have a, a third party fraud filter. They're trying to do it in house. Uh, they, they don't have, you know, a company like, I don't know, uh, who, who's a good, uh, company, uh, uh, a certify or, uh, count or one of those where, where these providers have signals, right? And, Gosh, I, I hear various numbers, but hundreds of thousands of little data points. Again, a multi-layered approach, right? If you don't have a, if you're entering a new market and you don't have a, a something that is reading the signals as the, 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 the purchaser, I'm not going to say the cardholder because it may not be, uh, reading that, that purchase process and saying, wait a minute, there's something not quite right about this thing and then it's either going to be it's going to be scored and it's either going to be sort of i use the green light red light or green green light amber light red light sort of approach right a green green light transaction is like yeah there's no no we don't have any doubt right it's 99 uh, percent sure that this is a good transaction then you got the yellow light oh we don't know but there's something about this that we don't like. Maybe you send it up for manual review, but there's a scoring process based upon data elements, right? That's coming in. And then there's those that just say, yeah, we're going to decline this transaction because yeah, there's for sure some things we don't like. And that might be actually a true, you know, a, a card holder. I was in uh, Paris not that long ago for business and I tried to purchase something and, and it got declined on my, one of my, uh, chase cards. And I'm like, what? This is wrong. And, and honestly, even the banks are, are, uh, using their algorithms. I talked about declines. Um, they're doing that because it's a real problem. Um, and true card holders who are purchasing real things get caught in as well, but, You'd rather have a notification sent out saying, did you mean to do this than not? Uh, and so that decline can actually turn into a real transaction. So my, my advice is to get somebody who, again, has the experience, the knowledge, has the signals, they know how to score it. Uh, and if you want to do the manual review yourself, do it. Perfect. All right. Well, I know we are one minute from the top of the hour, so uh, we unfortunately won't be able to get to all of our questions here. But like I said at the beginning, uh, we will make sure to follow up via email with any questions that you guys had. Um, uh, we'll definitely make sure to, to answer that. Uh, Shreyas and Harlan, thank you guys so much for, like I said, taking us on this on this dive into as much as we could. I know chargebacks and, and credit card acceptance, compliance, especially new markets, it's it's very complex. Uh, and I know it's a, you know it's going to take more than 45 minutes to really get into the uh, the granular details of that. But thank you so much for for helping us dive into that. Uh, just a reminder that this webinar was recorded. Uh, we'll have a link at some point in time in the next day or so that it can be shared with colleagues or if you were just blown away with our Oscar-worthy performances today, you can watch it again yourselves. <laughs> Um, after after about 30 days, we're going to have uh, this webinar available on our part on our podcast, Charge Forward with Chargebacks 911. It's available on all streaming platforms as well, and you can also catch it on our website. Like I like I said, so uh, Harlan Trey, thank you guys once again, uh, and appreciate everybody for taking the time to attend today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Take care. Bye now.